Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Jude. There are some moments in ministry that are just really sweet. Maybe it's the end of a retreat, or maybe it's just getting together with people that you have seen God change their lives, and there's just something joyful and rich about those moments. And there's times where you want to think, man, I wish that's what ministry, I wish that was, that's what church was just always like. That it was just always these sweet moments of celebration and victory. But it's not like that. Not all the time. And as long as we live in this world, it won't be like that all the time. And we see one of the reasons why as we look at this epistle of Jude. Because we are reminded we are going to have to fight. We're going to have to contend Life is not just going to be one big Thanksgiving service. It's going to be filled with with a battle as we contend for the faith. And we see this here in this letter. Uh, From what we can tell from tradition and history, um, Jude, he identifies himself as a servant or slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And because of that, we would conclude that he is also a brother, or I guess you could say technically a half-brother of Jesus. And he writes this letter uh, with this longing. Uh, He wanted to, as he says, he was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, right? He wanted to write a letter that was just sweet and celebratory, giving thanks for their common salvation. But he says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. I wish we could just give thanksgiving and I wish that we could just celebrate, but no, I'm telling you to fight, to contend. Why? Because, verse 4, certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So there we see very similar. You'll notice a lot of similarities in Jude and Second Peter. Uh, the concern here is there's false teaching. I wish we could just celebrate and give thanks and high fives, but there is false teaching that is creeping in unnoticed into our midst, and we need to contend for the truth. That is what Jude is writing here. And that is true in our day and age. Now, obviously, we have to think, and you know, there's some things that Christians may disagree about, and the Bible tells us about those things. You think of passages like back in Romans 14, but there are other things that are more significant and more clear when it comes to the scripture where this is not just a difference of opinion. No, we have now crossed into a realm of false teaching. What does this false teaching look like? We see several things here in Jude that help us see that. One is right there in verse four, false teaching perverts grace. It perverts grace, it says, into sensuality. So this false teaching is having a very unsanctifying effect, 
We've already seen this in some of the other uh, letters where it talks about them turning the grace of God into a license. Now we have a license to go and do what we want. And maybe we give some lip service to Jesus, but we're actually denying our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And there is still a lot of teaching like this today that perverts the grace of God, that downplays really what the effects of grace should be in our life, that we should consider ourselves slaves to our master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Christ. So that is false teaching to watch out for. We also see a warning here that these false teachers, they reject authority. Uh, They they reject authority. And you see that uh, in uh, verse six, it talks about the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority. I think this is uh, going back to Genesis six, even in these sons of God who saw the daughters of men. Uh, But we see that in verse eight as well. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their own dreams defile the flesh. So there's the sensuality again, reject authority and blaspheme the glorious ones. So these false teachers, they do what they want in their flesh. They reject authority, whether that's God's authority or or whether that's the proper authority that, that God has put in his church or in this world, they reject all of this and they walk in the way of Cain. Well, what was Cain? Cain was led by his flesh and his anger. Cain also seemed to just be going through the motions. He's bringing a sacrifice, but he's not actually doing it in faith. And these false teachers are motivated, it seems, by money. Uh, They have abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error. You remember Balaam, he was the talking donkey guy in the Old Testament. Well, Part of the problem there is he was getting paid by this king to try to get Israel into sin. And and we know from the famous donkey talking story that he was unsuccessful and God only allowed him to bless. And so maybe you start to think of Balaam as a positive character because he says positive things, but clearly that's not what he was wanting to do. Because if you read carefully, you'll notice there's another strategy where he gets the young women of Moab to entice the Israelite men into sexual immorality. And at one point it gives Balaam the credit for that. So he was taking money to try to divert God's people from the way that they were supposed to go. And that's another error that we will see with false teaching. And nothing good will come from false teaching. It also mentions Korah's rebellion, another Old Testament reference. These were men that tried to reject the God-given authority to Moses, basically saying, Moses, we don't think you should lead anymore, and we nominate us. We we nominate ourselves and the earth swallows these people up and nothing good will come from this false teaching. There's so many descriptions in verses 12 through 16. They're hidden reefs at your love feasts. They're shepherds feeding themselves. They're waterless clouds swept along by the winds, fruitless trees. So they have some appearance of a cloud or a tree, but they're not bearing fruit. They're not bringing water and they're going to be destroyed. And they are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud mouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. And at this point, you might be saying, you picked me right up there, pastor. You started off talking about Thanksgiving and fellowship and all these good things. And now we're just talking about how bad false teaching is. And if you think through the things that I've said, you're likely seeing, 
yeah, it's it's bad out there because we see these things still at work today and it's frustrating. Frustrating. It's saddening and sometimes maybe even a little bit maddening. Thankfully, verse 17 begins with the word, but. Okay, there's all this frustrating, godless, false teaching stuff that we need to work against. We need to contend against. But now we get to, well, this is what you should do. And the first thing that it gives us instruction to do is really we need to set biblical expectations. He says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. So we need to set biblical expectations that no, the Christian life in this age is not just going to be celebration and thanksgiving and, and high fives. I mean, that should be, in, I guess, to some extent, the attitude of our hearts that we are always giving thanks to God. But it's not always going to be those sweet moments in ministry. There's going to be hard times dealing with false teachers and scoffers. And the apostles have prepared us for this. The other thing that we see here is we need to stay the course. There's another but in verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. That's what we need to do. We need to stay the course. We need to keep going where God has called us to do. And it gives a variety of things there, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. Uh, you, you think back to verse three, and it talks about contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Here, the word faith doesn't just seem to be talking about some internal thing that you experience as you trust God, it seems to be talking about really the body of truth that has been delivered to God's people. You need to contend for that, this truth of the gospel that has been given to God's people. And I think there's a similar sense here. We need to be building ourselves up in our most holy faith. You should always be seeking to grow in your knowledge of the truth. And again, knowledge then should feed your faith and it should lead to more trust in God. But that's going to come from you instead of listening to false teaching, strengthening yourself in what is actually true and in what you believe. So that's where we need to stay the course. We also need to help others in this. Verse 22, and have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating the garment stained by the flesh. So we need to help others. We need to show mercy to those who doubt. That's interesting. Instead of just coming down on them or rebuking them, we want to show mercy to them, come alongside them. But also we will need to rebuke others that are in sin and even show mercy with fear hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So you see, there, there's a mixture there that we'll need in this Christian life of, of mercy towards people even that fall into sin, but uh, mercy mixed with, with fear uh, of we, we don't want to get into sin and, and sin is serious. So uh, we're not just hard-nosed, mean people and and being nasty to anyone that falls short of our standards, we're showing mercy. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we're excusing sin. We're hating even the garment stained by the flesh. 
So we need to set biblical expectations. We need to stay the course. We need to help others. And finally, we need to keep our confidence in God. Look at the beautiful doxology at the end of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So there is coming a day where it will just be celebration and thanksgiving and high fives and sweet moments forever and ever. Amen. And the one who's going to get us there safely, well, that is our God. That is our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we glorify Him. So Jude gives us a a little bit of a jolt of reality that the Christian life is going to be difficult as we contend for the faith. But I hope it also gives us some very practical instruction on what we need to do and some encouragement and a reminder of the God who will get us where we need to go. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.